ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Dying time is here. That's right. We are talking 1982's Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. On Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. This is your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from this no-name, it-has-to-be-American uh, college. There's no way this wasn't, uh, this was filmed in Spain or anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't you see those ambulances that say Boston on them? This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of 1982's pieces in the hopes that a poor co-ed's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And as always, there's only one person that I trust that when I tell her we need to keep this out of the press, what, what, what could happen to the college if everyone finds out she will keep mum about it. The one and the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm great. This is a uh, this is a special day that that we're recording this. This is the the three year anniversary of our very first episode. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So, so I, I did a little research. I, I wanted to know what the proper gift was for for a uh-huh. third anniversary. You know, like it's, sometimes it's it's lace or wood or something made out of crystal. Uh-huh. And wouldn't you know it? Kawinky Dinky, the third year anniversary gift is a jigsaw puzzle of a naked lady. <laughs> Who knew? So, wow, so, that is fortuitous. Happy anniversary to you, Patrick. <laughs> Here's your naked lady jigsaw puzzle. Oh, man, my mom is going to be so pissed off if she finds this, Gina. And I can't, like, she's going to tell me to get a plastic bag. And you know what happens after plas- that. Get a plastic bag, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the parenting gets worse uh, after that. Uh, but we'll get to it. I, I don't want to alarm you, though, Gina. We are not alone. That is right. We have a special guest. Uh, she is a writer and now podcaster of her own. Her show, Let's Get Weirding, explores all of the nooks and crannies and spicy parts of Frank Herbert's Dune. The one and the only Megan Sunday. How are you doing, Megan? I am doing great. I am very, very excited. Now, you are an enthusiast of pieces because when we floated this out, Gina said, oh, uh, Megan wants to do pieces. She told me she wants to do pieces. A lot. We have to have her on to talk about pieces. She is the pieces person. Where, where, where on God's earth did you first see pieces? I first saw pieces as part of a 10 movie double disc DVD set called Fright Night. Okay. Which uh, also featured such classics as Kill Baby Kill, God Told Me To. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Uh, Satan School for Girls, which features very little Satan. Yeah. But lots of girls. The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. Oh, that's not bad. And lots lots of Italian things uh, starring Erica Blanc, uh, mostly, <laughs> for the rest As of those. As you do. She's, she's in almost everything and so, on here. <laughs> that's true. So when you finally sat down to watch pieces for the first time... How much of your brain leaked out through your ears and were you able to mop it up afterwards or did you just reinsert it via funnel? I I just kind of left it around. Uh, Just a big mess, like just puzzle pieces and blood and brains. And it was just it was just all over. It's amazing. It's as if they only read what slasher movies were, but 
then just threw it all in there. They were like, I don't know. I, I hear they're supposed to be boobs. <laughs> I don't know. We should have some red herrings. It's it seems more like uh, as if they had only ever seen Giallo, and mm-hmm. they're like, ah, it's it has enough in common with a slasher that we'll just make a Giallo with lots of red herrings and an incompetent uh, main protagonist who's playing playing detective who just out of nowhere is encouraged by the main detective for reasons I still quite (laughs) don't quite understand. And, you know, uh, we'll get lots of killer POV and we'll have lots and lots and lots of nudity and occasional jazz dancing and it'll all work out. (laughs) It will. I don't know that it worked out to everyone's benefit, but it definitely worked out in a, in a unitard to be exact. (laughs) I've, and I have one very large issue with the jazz dance sequence. I don't know how much can I say. I mean, we haven't even started, but I assume. Well, let's, let's put this out okay. here. We, we're going into spoilers, right? Did the, if you have not seen pieces, my suggestion to you is pause the podcast, delete it, watch pieces, re-download the episode, delete it, re-download <laughs> it again, let it run on a loop if you're streaming, but don't listen to it until after you've watched pieces. <laughs> Or say, fuck it. I'm just going to listen to this and watch pieces on my own accord (laughs) because I have a shutter account and I can do whatever I want. Just make sure to download the episode multiple times. That's what I'm asking people to do. That that's the key element. You can absolutely enjoy the episode without having seen the movie, but I think you should see the movie. Yes, it's a high recommend from yes. all three of us. Mm-hmm. Pieces is something you should see. It is available to rent. And if you have Shudder, and my God, if you don't have Shudder and you're listening to this show, what you up to? Uh, it's streaming right on there. You can either li- just watch the regular version or the Joe Bob Briggs version. Either way, you're golden because this movie is something that deserves to be seen. So let's talk about it. Well, we can talk. We don't have to go in order. I, I could recount the plot, but here's the thing about pieces. It decided not to have any. <laughs> it's a murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah kind college of. Ca- on a college campus where nobody ever seems to go to class. Everybody talks about fucking. There's one professor. <laughs> these are these. one inexplicable professor. Like no one should be talking about having sex with this dude, but everyone is. He he, he absolutely comes off like a Will Ferrell character. Yeah. <laughs> There's uh, possibly he, the dance instructor. Maybe she's a professor. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, it all takes place on this college campus. Just uh, co-ed start dying left, right middle on very Italian elevators and uh, no one can seem to figure out who is doing this for an hour and a half. <laughs> the, the, my, my, the, the, the idea of the crack detective work that you are getting uh, from, from this murder mystery is there is a dismembered body next to a pool and there is a bloody <laughs> chainsaw and the cop says, eh, uh, we think that might be the murder weapon over there. <laughs> Please touch do you it. want to go? Do you want to go check, Professor? Yeah, you know what? I think I I believe I believe you're correct that this is the murder weapon. Even a layman can see that this was the murder weapon. Then why like are we all asking this weirdo mustachioed man? <laughs> I feel like they thought that was like trickery. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna fool him into to doing something. 
reacting well, he, he, or touching the chain, which he does. Yeah, he does. Um, touch he mentions the he mentions he mentions several times that his specialty is anatomy. Wink, mm-hmm. wink. So somebody probably <laughs> somebody read a couple of pages of, of a criminology book, and because you know it's a it's a huge cliche in in murder mysteries that uh, you know if if a crime involves someone being dismembered, that that the killer must have an interest in anatomy or or is maybe even a a, a doctor of some kind, and and so somebody who was writing the script says that sounds cool. I, I think I'll put that in there. Whereas the actual killer doesn't realize that it's really hard to do a puzzle when you're wearing big gloves. No. That, that he just blindly goes ahead and a lot of the puzzle pieces are stuck together with blood. And so even while it's somewhat easier, he's terrible at it. And wearing those thick gloves is not helping. And they are not refilming that. They are no. using what they've got and you're just putting that puzzle together. This, this treasured jigsaw puzzle that he has had since age 10 that's <laughs> of a naked lady. The and then the the they're not even trying like it's supposed to be the flashback it, the movie opens with the flashback it's supposed to be 1942 yeah, yeah and, right and, away it tells you boston 1942 yeah that that jigsaw puzzle is 1978 which well i also i i found out something today uh, i have not verified this but i was reading other people's thoughts on pieces that in order to make it more obvious that this is boston usa he has a, a Patriots banner on his wall, which was not a team that existed in 1942. <laughs> <laughs> I think that oh, makes no, perfect my, sense for this film. It, it should remind everyone of giant baseball pennants and portraits of Ronald Reagan that also make it clear that the movie Pod People takes place in America because it's yeah. the same director. <laughs> <laughs> He's great at disguising the Spanish nature of all of this. This is not Spain. My, my favorite line in the whole movie establishing where this is supposed to take place is is when the killer uh, is giving the, hero, the, the heroine um, poisoned coffee. And she, she comments on that the coffee tastes good. And he says, well, you know how it is. We're in New England. Yeah. <laughs> Known for its coffee. Known for its coffee creamer. <laughs> I mean. That's right. It's the cream. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> that, that high right. quality New England cream that everybody is and, uh, yeah. held in such high esteem. Um, let's talk a little bit about this opening cold open. Uh, in Boston, 1942, which all of a sudden makes this sound like an episode of The Dollop. So mom barges in on her tween's bedroom unannounced and finds the worst thing you could ever see with your eyes. Him assembling a nudie puzzle. <laughs> which I, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out where one would order a, a, a nudie jigsaw puzzle. In 1942. Oh, Gina, it's at the five and dime. It's right behind the counter. You just have to ask <laughs> Jimmy, can I please have that nudie puzzle? And then you slip him an extra nickel and it's yours. <laughs> Is that like from like the same period where like, you know, kids were, were you know, didn't have to use seat belts and, and all that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. You could drink from the garden hose, put together your nudie puzzle. <laughs> That's right. You drink from the, the garden hose. You got you got brain death five days later, elephantitis. Um, you know, this was what life was like in Boston, 1942. It was during the war. There was meat rationing. Everyone was assembling nudie puzzles to beat the Germans. It's just, it's what we all did. And I say this from God the authority the of someone generation. who was there. Yes, right. 
Because you are you are a time lord who who just got here after completing your own personal nudie puzzle. <laughs> That's how you accomplish it. That's how you step through the veil of time. You get you that last assemble you, the nudie puzzle. You first. fit that last piece in, like like a like a magical door opens and you step into whatever time period you wish to see. I just kick that star open like American Chavez and I ride the time stream wherever I wish. <laughs> So, so mom does what any normal parent would do. She smacks her kid immediately, <laughs> not once, but twice proclaims that his father was a pervert, just like him, because that's what every kid needs to hear. Uh, I, I, here's a newsflash to all children. Your father was probably a pervert and you'll probably end up one too. That's just how it works typical mom stuff she demands that he get a plastic bag which you would think wouldn't turn into a fetish well guess what everybody <laughs> it totally does um and then he comes back in the room and straight up hatchets her in the head mm-hmm. um several times and as she lies bleeding he decides i'm gonna finish this puzzle <laughs> Which well, is basically yeah. done, even though it's taking him a lot of concentration. To- well, he has to hold every fucking piece in his mouth like a goddamn weirdo. <laughs> Just put together the puzzle. You don't have to like, oh, my God, I got two pieces left. Which one is this? And hold sing it Humpty up Dumpty. to the empty space, dum-dum. Singing Humpty Dumpty like a movie trailer. <laughs> it's very movie trailer. But uh, that puzzle gets very filthy from blood. Uh, but no one seems to mind this later on uh, when this out of nowhere lady decides this is the moment I got to visit this house. And when no one <laughs> answers the door, she's like, I got to get the police. So the police come and they find mom's head in the closet. And then the kid is in a different closet. And he's like, bad man, big man, bad man, big no. man, mom. I, I love how absolutely unconvincing he is. He's like, Mama. It's like, it's like nobody's going to buy this kid, this kid. Come no. on. You should take that kid away in handcuffs immediately. I don't care what year it is. Covered in blood. <laughs> and the you know and the, and the the cops don't bother asking any questions. He's like, oh, he's got an aunt. I'll call her to come get him. Well, oh yeah, let's get this kid out of here. He, he, the, get this blood soaked child out of here. We got to find a murderer. <laughs> His dad's in Europe. Dad's in Europe, so he's you know, off the perverting it over Germany or uh, perverting <laughs> it when landing in France. I don't, you know, I don't, they didn't tell me out what his flight missions were. That was top secret. Buying those nudie puzzles and mailing them home. Yeah, no, that's probably it. That's, Since that's all that does seem like I, I would boxes. say a a, a a a jigsaw puzzle with naked lady definitely sounds like something you could have bought in France in the 1940s. No, that sounds very Parisian. Uh, so 40 years later, that's right, Endgame. Pieces did it first. And uh, the very first sequence here, uh, we get an education. You see, Jason Voorhees isn't the only one who can get a bunch of evidence out of police lockup. So can our killer, who has a box full of his mom's bloody dress and shoes, which are very delicately dripped with blood. Yes. <laughs> For someone who got a hatchet to the head. They're lightly spattered. Yeah. Yes. Like she, it's like the shoes she wore to paint the living room, but it's actually blood supposedly. Uh, and the mm-hmm. other contents of the box are 
a photo of his mom's casual pose from her <laughs> acting one sheet. I was gonna say, yeah, the yeah. The, the headshot of the actress yep. playing the yeah. mother. The, what what she handed to the producers when she auditioned for the role. Yeah. Somebody went, oh god, we don't have a picture of her, and she's not. Oh god, she's not here anymore. What do we got? What do we got? And the producer said, no, I have something. Let me hit the Xerox machine. And so at the bottom of this box, he has this picture with a giant red X across her. Like, yeah, we know you got her. Like, <laughs> we just saw this. I I get it. I I get it, movie. But if the movie is not concerned with you getting it, it's going to tell you information you already know and never tell you any other information as it just blindly ping pongs from scene to scene. Example A, intercut with this is a, is a co-ed skateboarding. And here's a bit of a PSA, everyone. If you are this bad at skateboarding, it should not be your primary transportation. Yeah, I've never <laughs> skateboarded before, but they stop if you need them to, right? Yeah, or you can jump off them. Yeah, like the easiest way to, to stop your rapid acceleration on a skateboard is to step off of it. You still have feet. You may want to consider using one and or both of them and saying, fuck it to that skateboard. If say, oh, I don't know, a giant mirror comes out of from behind a corner. You just don't have to go ah, 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 like you could have spent some of that screaming time stepping off the skateboard, lady. But she's fine for a while. But, but this is what sets off the killer, right? Because but the that's mirror the girl explodes. that gets beheaded. That's the girl who gets decapitated in the very oh, next really? scene. Oh, really? She yeah. survives that? Yeah, it's the same oh, girl. It's the I've same... watched this three times and I have not picked up on that. It's the same outfit. Uh, so, I mean, it might have just been that they forgot that they use that actress in the oh, skateboarding that's, scene. Yeah, that's I mean, that's entirely. I mean, far uh, be it from them yeah. to to neglect any sort of editing issues or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in this in this other in this otherwise you know, Swiss watch of a movie. <laughs> I mean, Hitchcock watched this movie. It's like I can't make anymore. I'm gonna have to die. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, this mirror incident apparently sets off our killer. He spies a co-ed studying on the lawn, and I guess she might be the same woman. <laughs> um, he her, is dressed in a skirt, very warm sweater. With her skirt pulled up like she's about ready to get a naughty little spanking, because that's the yep. kind of movie this is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it very much is. Uh, and she's about to get a spanking. Um, she asks when someone starts up this chainsaw, which is being operated by a man, the, the very heaviest of sweaters on, I can't, but like, it's a chain mail of sweaters that he's wearing. Like some people, when they're uh, digging up a dead body, like a prom night too, you wear kind of an Irish sort of rich boy sweater, as I explained in that episode. Other times you're putting on the type of sweater that you want to get laid in, like in Friday the 13th part two. This is a very thick sweater to protect you from chainsaw ricochets. Because after he says, no, I'm going to be done in just a second. You don't have to move. And the camera just randomly pans to the right for no reason. And they don't cut it out. They're just like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Keep that. We really need to know that there are bushes nearby. He just comes out of nowhere with this chainsaw and cuts off her head, which flies 
like a like like a beautiful bird. And just cuts her fountains head off of and blood. Cuts her head off, and then the detective later says, "I want to read the coroner's report." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of details. Like this could have happened any number of ways. She could have slipped and fallen, and her head fell off uh, via chainsaw. And then I guess they immediately called the police. Somebody. Somebody. Probably Somebody. our boy Kendall. Who knows? Oh, but God. We, who knows? Kendall, who can sniff, out suspicious, uh, can sniff out suspicious things. Not so much, <laughs> not fast enough that he could prevent the death of, like, five or six people. But otherwise, mm. he's a crack detective. Yeah, he's I'm, very busy, Gina. Well, that's true. He's, <laughs> he's got a lot on his plate. Yes. His his dick is visiting every other dorm room in the entire college, and that takes a lot out of a guy. It's going to really dig into your, your your studying time. I, I I fully believe that that you know someone could just you know go crashing through a plate glass window and their skateboard and survive. I cannot believe that Kendall is the campus Casanova. I will not believe that. Are and we, are why we, was this actor like the man? Because yeah, I'm going to bring I, it up again. He's the singer in Pod People, which he, is my favorite mystery the science theater episode. Guy. He's, he's the instincts guy. He he's idiot control now. Yes, <laughs> and, and good. He's I, the best. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, you got to get that. I'm a virgin shirt. Not around this guy. No. <laughs> No one's wearing. I'm surprised no one's wearing careful. anything like that. There's a lot of tight white tees. I, I just need but. to know. This is like one of the things I want to. I want to talk to the people about the script writing process, and I just want to ask them: Who were you picturing when you wrote this character? <laughs> because I mean, I I know with me as as a, a fiction writer, I, I tend to have a certain person in mind when describing certain characters. Mm-hmm. And and I, I've got to know, it could not have been this guy. It, it <laughs> could not have been this guy. And I, I just, you know, how long d- down a list of, of potential you know, actors to hire the, for this role they go through before they land on this guy? Maybe well, he was the they, only one willing to get nude. Yeah. That's possible. First, they asked the guy who walked around in that, Full on bodysuit of the of the human internal organs and uh, body musculature. Are, are you said, talking? No, are you speaking of? Look. Are you speaking of Slim Good Body? Yes, I'm speaking of Slim Good Body. And so <laughs> he it's does like, look like Slim Good. Body. He does. Oh, no. And uh, they, Slim Good Body was already booked, so they're like, get me a Slim Good Body type. He doesn't have to have that unitard. We can get him other clothes. And then they said, okay, but we also need two cops. And so the guy goes, all right, well, Christopher George needs money. He has gambling debts. He'll say yes to anything so long as you also cast his wife. So he was in. And they said, all right, but his partner has to look exactly like Race Bannon from Johnny Quest. They found a guy and they're like, all right, we've got our two cops. All right. I have to throw in one more. He's doing a one man show. Leslie Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen. (laughs) Leslie. All with exclamation! <laughs> All with exclamation points! He's just, just, he's just, he's just riding down that big glittery L onto the stage. It was a very big moment for me when I realized that those were directed by the same person. <laughs> <laughs> that that and slugs they were all they had the same people are in a lot of those and it was just like this of course it was of course yeah. this is a trifecta of this man's work yeah everything has a dreamlike logic in that it doesn't make any sense and your your dream should not direct movies 
It's the same. And there's lots and lots of shots that a good editor could have maybe done something with. <laughs> yeah. So our two cops, uh, Christopher George and Race Bannon, meet with the dean who says, hey, listen, we can't let it come out that this dead girl's been chainsawed to death. We got to keep this on the down low. What would happen to the college? And everyone's like, ah, listen, you don't have to tell me. Let's keep this murder quiet. <laughs> yeah, that that's something that I I have noticed in a lot of uh, horror movies and murder mysteries that take place on college campuses, that they seem to think that it is possible to keep murders a secret. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't think that's something that that ever carries over into real life. Another one of my favorite scenes is when the Dean, who who is the the best character, most because he talks like Phil Ken Seven, um, <laughs> and also insists on pronouncing a character's name as Willard. Yes. <laughs> He, he puts a lot of weird inflect, inflections on on words where the, where they don't belong. But there's a a a, you know, a a nosy reporter as there as there always is in movies like this. Mm-hmm. Only only one reporter assigned to to a, a serial killer on a college campus. Just like there's only two cops assigned to a serial killer case. Because that 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 makes yeah that, that's about all you need. Well, you, homecoming is coming up, and everyone else is wrapped up on making sure the parade route is clear. Yeah, they they emphasize a lot about how busy how much too busy everyone is to really pay attention to to this serial killer that is going around dismembering young women but anyway um so this this uh this reporter later in the movie talks to the dean and she goes i wanted to talk to you he says about what and you know, sweat beads forming on his forehead it's like <laughs> She's like, about what's going on, wink, wink. He's like, absolutely nothing's going on. I have no idea what you're talking about. And, you know, the reporter's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's much too busy to talk right now, as you can see. <laughs> he, um, he doesn't. He's yeah, got so much work. Yeah. So like when when the co- when early in the movie, when the detectives decide that they want to put a, a cop undercover as a tennis coach for some reason, um, he's like, we just don't have the time for that. You want them well, to spy on my faculty? Hmm. You want like to spy on our one-member faculty? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, let's talk about this one member of the faculty. Because his introduction is quite auspicious. We see a group of co-eds standing around, and we learn from one of them that the PE department has decided to put a waterbed in the training room because... Why the fuck would you need a waterbed in the training room? Does anyone have a good reason for this? Well, I, I think that they uh, that they figured out how how super horny these students were, and, and you know, thought they'd be, be nice, a little more sanitary than just having them doing it right there on the floor. Well, yeah. hold on for that because that's coming up. It's astonishing that that's the one piece of foreshadowing that this script has. <laughs> what is the waterbed? Yes. It's like, of all things. It's like, they said, well, we can, we have to set up this waterbed. Otherwise, no one will believe it. Well, you told me that it's there, and I still don't believe it. So I don't think it worked out. But it does prompt what I think might be the best line in the whole movie. I could be wrong, but this is my vote. It's stated by one of the co-eds, and she says the following. The most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. Is so. It yeah, like not sunsets or puppies. It's got to be smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. It is hard enough to get either in or out of a waterbed. 
Now try fucking with a lit joint in your hands to the mix. It should also be noted they are all smoking a joint in the hallway. Yeah. Well, that's just like, outside of class. And, and that is all, what and, American college students do. Yeah. And, in Boston. and they're all regarding this professor like it's Professor Chris Hemsworth of, you know, Human Sexuality 101. <laughs> I mean, they are just like, 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 uh, you know, you want to do him, right? No. <laughs> you know, I mean, no. just, just well, getting super giggly in his presence and like teasing each other about which one of them was going to nail them. And it's like, Okay. Well, and they almost try for something because later when there's more giggling co-eds looking at him and one of them says like, oh, how would you like to make it with him? There's, there's too many, first of all, there's too many voices in the dubbing for the number of people that are there. (laughs) Someone is definitely still talking when characters leave and no one is actually speaking, but one of them calls him the campus closet case. So it's like, they're almost trying for, oh, they're harassing him because they think he might be gay, but what, what? This is. I mean, are, are we talking uh, huh? like you know? Is this is a, a you know? I I I'll have sex with you, so you start being attracted to the opposite gender. Sitch, is that what's going on? Or is just like he, let's harass is, him because he might. We think he's gay. Like, is he such a, a little much that, just... that he needs to be brought back over to the heterosexual side? <laughs> that's right. Like, we uh, can't let that cut, that level of man meat go to waste. Yeah, no, uh, that's just a, having sex you, with. We're not him. losing. We're not losing that one. No, 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 we go. I mean, when you when you finally see him, you're like, oh, oh, that is the paragon of of hotitudes that I was well, looking well, let's, for. Let's think about what we have though, as far as campus men. So <laughs> we have Professor Will Ferrell, who, yeah. who mm-hmm. you know seems you know very very you know fussy, kind of always looks like someone just farted in front of him. He looks uh, like Captain Kangaroo if he never stops staring at your tits. Yeah, he he. We have the dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have Kendall, who is we're reminded several times is is the campus stud. Which yep. to me that that's the most hilarious part of the entire movie. <laughs> and and then we have uh, we have Kendall's friend. I, I don't recall if he had a name. Myron. Myron, of oh, course, his, Myron. of course, his name is Myron. Kendall and Myron, of, of course, that's their <laughs> that's their names. These are very popular American names of 1982. Yeah, yeah M- Myron seems like he will be set up to to be killed at some point, but but there are no male victims in this until the very end of the movie. Even, oh, it's very dedicated to its misogynistic roots. It's yeah, really. Yeah, because Myron is like the jokester, the, the the guy who, after four or five people have been horrendously slaughtered on campus, still think it's funny to sneak up on people while wearing a mask. Yeah, that's that's just you know how is this guy you know presumably making it to the end of the movie? <laughs> and the the prevailing theory here is from both the cops and from the scuttlebutt on on school is that. As the secretary later proclaims, it looks like an inside job. And <laughs> that murder is not an inside job. That's that's not how murder works. That's not how anything works. And Christopher Christopher George later says to the dean that he thinks it's someone in or around the campus. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's narrowed it down to carbon-based life forms. So that's great. We're not looking for an alien. We're not looking for a xenomorph or a predator. That's that's good to know. <laughs> he did specifically said that. He say that he only said it was someone in or around the cal- the campus. It could have been a xenomorph. You don't know. 
I mean, yes, they are being murdered on campus, so I presume. He didn't say anything about being a human being. True. It could be a dog who has thumbs. We never know. The dog who could hide a chainsaw behind its back. <laughs> because humans can do that too. Um, when he Professor carries Brown, the chainsaw in front of him, you have to get the shadow of the chainsaw in a very yes. phallic, phallic, phallic way. In case we didn't yes, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a way to unphallic the chainsaw. This is now what, Gina, our fourth chainsaw related <laughs> film. Yeah. In a row. Yeah, and, and and two that are very obviously supposed to be dick metaphors. Yes. Um, I mean, this film does not have a sequence in which a guy with a chainsaw literally fucks a bucket of ice. True. But, I'm surprised it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's the only thing that appears to be missing. After this, uh, this is when we sort of meet uh, when the Dean runs into Willard. Willard. <laughs> Willard. The MVP. Willard. I, I lied. The Dean's not the best character. It's Willard. <laughs> Who's the janitor and groundskeeper, but only for the week. He seems to be a, a freelance uh, groundskeeper <laughs> whom, will, yeah, whom the Dean lot, is very concerned will not be able to pick up another job. He's, he's, uh, he spends a lot of time telling people what his job isn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're I don't asking do that. a lot of I him. I don't touch that. You want to use the phone in that room? Nobody uses the phone in that room. I don't touch electronics. Uh, it's not like I'm being paid by the hour. He all says this with just one eye open because the other one is constantly squinting and angry at you. I don't know this actor's name. I only recognized Paul him. Paul L. Like, Smith. Paul L. Smith. Yes. Now, he, to me... I constantly remember him as Bluto from the Popeye movie. Um, Which he is still playing, apparently, now, in this, in this yeah. movie. He's yes, definitely still there's playing. No Bluto. difference. <laughs> he stepped off the set in Malta and walked right onto this playing Bluto. <laughs> I mean, he does everything but shake a fist at somebody. That's the only thing missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he only has eyes for one thing, and that is his chainsaw. And he loves that chainsaw. He is in love with that chainsaw. Yeah, they they think that this might be the worst use of a red herring in any movie <laughs> I, I've ever seen. There's just no possible way it could be him. Yeah, no, not not since the weirdo goon from Student Bodies have we had a more <laughs> obvious red herring that's probably not the actual killer. But also missing from Student Bodies is what happens. Right after the Dean walks out of frame, which is that Willard spies a couple having sex right out in the fucking open. Like, does this college not have closets? You have rooms, people. You don't have to fuck in the middle of a park. Not like five feet away from probably a murder scene. (laughs) Yeah, the guy has a chainsaw. Like, the chainsaw gets me off. Yeah, this is, this is this is another one of those movies in which the people are are remarkably laid back about the fact that there are people being murdered. Yes, like mm-hmm. like there are no there are no scenes. Like I mean, if you generally speaking, if you have a murder mystery, there is usually a sequence of people being frightened, like people locking their doors or or you know, leaving town. Nope, nobody cares. They're they're okay. That's college life for you. Someone just gets dismembered every now and then. I, I, I got a final to take, man. It happens. Like sometimes people get hurt. <laughs> it's like that sequence in I know who I know who killed me. 
<laughs> when she's on the bus and her finger falls off and the guy goes, man, you know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah, no one's like, no one seems like upset that these characters have died. No one's Mm-mm. gossiping. No one is viewing anybody in a suspicious manner. It's, it's, it's just like, it's definitely one of those, you know, one part of this movie is like a teen or college student sex comedy. And the other one is a, a, a slasher movie. And they at no point do they ever actually overlap with each other. It spends a lot of time straining credulity. And part of that is it spends so much shoe leather trying to make people believe that anyone, male or female, want to sleep with Professor Brown. I mean, it could have spent all that time funneling its energy into making me think, oh, this this school is in Boston and not Spain or the moon. Either would have been more convincing than constantly seeing European street signs in the background of every other outdoor shot and going, it's Boston, everyone. Look at that sign. I mean, what's harder to buy that people would want to sleep with Professor Brown and people would want to sleep with Kendall? Nonstop all the time. Well, Kendall has, uh, and we see proof this has a very large schwanz. And yeah, but that personality though, Patrick, come on. Well, it's not that sweater, Gina. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're discounting both a very large penis and a sweater. And he has very sexy glasses that he reads with. So all these things sort of combine into, you know, everyone wants to sleep with Mr. Slim Goodbody. He's <laughs> like, he's like, very stacked heels on his shoes when he has to be oh in shots my with God. Christopher George. He's, yes. like, he's like Arnie Cunningham's Weasley little brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, feel like they the, I feel like they wanted to cast Keith Gordon They're like him, but cheaper <laughs> Spanish Keith Gordon Bigger <laughs> afro Higher heels <laughs> He's literally wearing heels, everyone And he's introduced with just a, maybe a woman he knows I don't know a, a woman they've actually would, ever spoken. Oh, yes. They don't speak to one another. They pass a note. And she very clearly states that she would like to have sex in the water. And the only one who can make this happen is him. A couple quick notes. Longtime listeners will understand this. Water doesn't help with sex, everyone. It it You need lubrication for sex to be pleasurable for everyone. And water actually takes that away. Don't have sex in a pool. There's so many better places to have sex. And if you are going to come to a pool with a bikini on, you don't have to take the bikini off. You're wearing a bikini. (laughs) Why wasn't she wearing socks with those boots? Why does it take her five minutes to take off her pants? Well, look at those jeans. Those are painted on. Why, did, why does she not know? Why does she not know to duck out from under a pool net? Yes, I, this, this. Why does she tie strange. her hair up? Well, Just you got to get it, it out of your face because this is the, 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 the. I think this is why this is probably the the dumbest, least effective kill in the whole movie. Because he literally just takes the pool net, like the kind of net you would use to like clean your, you know, skim your leaves. Skim the dead moths out of a a pool, yeah. yeah. You you skim the leaves out of a pool. He puts it over her head. Now, you could just very easily duck out of one of those things. He's pulling her. Her head is out of the water. She's making noises like she's drowning. Yes. And he pulls her out of the pool and she's semi-conscious. 
Well, she's got to lay there topless. Well, it's taken a lot of her. It's taken a lot out of her. First of all, she had to take off those pants. That took a lot of her energy. (laughs) Then she was frolicking. And then she was hauled out of the pool. She was frolicking by herself. (laughs) That's that's the best way to prepare for sex is to frolic by yourself. She had a conversation earlier that featured more voices than people. And said that Professor Brown looked like a sugar plum. Mm -hmm. And the other one responded... Hey, girl, you know what they say about sugar. What do they say about you, sugar? Yeah, what do, what, <laughs> they what never do they tell say us. about sugar in Spain? I mean, Boston. A voice says, what do they say about sugar? But it does not belong to either of the two characters. <laughs> so we never find out. <laughs> I, I think my favorite part of this scene is she's laying She's laying on the side of the pool. She's supposed to be semi-conscious, you know, wearing nothing but the tiniest of a bikini bottom. You could see her open her eyes for a second, look over at the camera, kind of arch her back up a little bit like i stick these up a little bit yeah someone like, was behind that camera like going you can up. see that someone is behind that camera telling her make it sexier mm. make it sexier yeah. and meanwhile uh the nerdiest nerd that's ever nerded <laughs> delivers our hero kendall a note i this can't figure out what's happening in this scene i cannot figure out what's happening here Myron um, initially makes a play for the girl who thinks it's the most beautiful thing in the world to smoke a joint and have sex in a waterbed at the same time. He is rejected by her. And so from now on, I just assume this happens every time he enters a scene. We just don't always see it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, obvious. This is, this is someone who gets rejected a lot. He also is so distraught by the possibility of the note he delivers is bad news that he threatens to kill himself. No one reacts to this. Like he's, he's, (laughs) he's cried wolf one too many times with the whole, I think I might kill myself bag. He's also a real asshole because when the woman rejects him, she just looks at him and he says like, Oh, so you're just going to like, I'm just getting a stare. Who gives a shit? Cause of course, you know, (laughs) I might as well die then. Oh, here's a note, Kendall. <laughs> no transition. He goes so is, is the right note from rejection thing, to delivering a note. The note thing, Gina, that you're... It, it doesn't make any sense because the killer picked up it the doesn't. note that the girl threw that said that she wanted to fuck in the pool. Right. Which Kendall but just Kendall like saw the note. Kendall cr- cr- and, So he knows where she is. But then the note that this nerd delivers is apparently ostensibly from her and says, never mind, don't come to the pool. It took the nerd half an hour to find Kendall because Kendall was fucking someone else in that intervening 30 minutes. Yeah, he, that dick's very busy. It's got a very <laughs> full schedule. But it was delivered to the deans. Yeah, because, yeah, no, it really doesn't make any sense. No, and it, 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 it serves only one purpose, and that is later in the movie, we get a nearly 10-minute scene of the dean complaining about students using his office as the mailbox. You're like, <laughs> who, who could ever fucking care? People being chainsawed to death on campus. I think we have bigger fish to fry, dude. The police are asking him questions and he's going, is this really necessary? Oh, oh on, yeah. He's, just, he's he's annoyed at this. At this like every extra on an episode of SVU. <laughs> I have to get back to work. Yeah. The police are talking on. to you. Yeah. What did you say? What did you say your name was? Detective. <laughs> I, my phone is ringing. I'm just going to walk away. I got to go. You mean Martha, that girl who got uh, chainsawed to death by the pool? Yeah, I knew her. Loads of box, loads of box. (laughs) You don't think I did it or anything, do you? Check with my parole officer. (laughs) 
also like that the first girl was decapitated and they ask if she, you know, hung out with a lot of guys. Because that's, you know, <laughs> that's what happens. There, that's, you start hanging out with guys. The next thing you know, your, your head gets chainsawed off. I will say one thing that I do find very disconcerting about the whole movie is that they always refer to the students as boys and girls, which I guess they didn't want to say men and women or just the students, but it's just they're like, oh, do you think it's one of the boys? Oh, we got to get a couple of undercover cops, girls. It's like, oh, just say they're college students. Like, stop saying boys and girls. Yeah, they say yeah. they got to get a couple Bo- of undercover cops. They get they get one. Because it's volunteer, apparently, which no, I'm pretty sure they can tell boring. you. You have to when be you undercover. Have an international tennis pro that everyone knows from her tennis playing. You don't need a bunch of other cops. But she's also she's a gonna, cop. She, what, <laughs> you would just put a ten, She's doing paperwork at the police station. She must work there in some capacity. I, well, why is she also a cop? <laughs> because she's been uh, riding a desk for six months. That's what Christopher George says to his but wife. Why is she a cop to begin with? Because. <laughs> After your life as an international tennis pro, you need something that demands the same level of action. And that's what a, being a cop near a Boston college provides you. She, she, she's not a very good cop. No, she, she's never seen interviewing anybody. No. Uh, she gives up too fast on, on trying to, to, to talk to people. She shows up for everything late. <laughs> she, but she, it's because. Christopher George adopts Kendall. Yeah, that's another thing. Him. He just all of a sudden, we're, you know, this kid, this kid will make a great cop. Why? Because he fucks everyone. <laughs> that seems to be. That's his, a big prerequisite that, to get into the his, academy. That is his sole personality trait is that he sleeps with a lot of women. But at some oh. point, I guess in the 20 minutes or so script that was edited out. Now all of a sudden he he has a, a good nose for for suspicious things and and you know he could be I, I trust him I, I don't think he did it. It's like, well, it's because the girl gets murdered. <laughs> the girl gets murdered at the pool, and then Willard comes in and turns on the lights. He sees Kendall lurking behind, like just some stuff on the wall. Kendall runs away. <laughs> Willard sees the chainsaw on the windowsill. Puts his hand on it, even though it's clearly covered in blood. Then very theatrically holds his hand out to show the blood to the audience. And then looks to the side with his one eye and sees that this this woman has been butchered and it's clearly everywhere. So he goes, I guess, after Kendall. But then cops come in and he just starts throwing them around. Well, what we get here is a mini wild, wild, wild west stunt show. Because Kendall hits him with a breakaway piece of wood that does nothing. Willard is made of steel. Nothing can harm him. Uh, One cop gets thrown into the pool that's semi-translucent with blood. And then we just get a lot of believable fisticuffs. A lot of headbutting happens in this sequence. He was rehearsing. He was in rehearsals for Dune at the time. He had to throw people around. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> true. Uh, and then finally, uh, Race Bannon uh, puts a gun to his head and says, if you don't stop, I'm going to blow your brains everywhere. Um, it also should be noted when the killer stalks this young woman in the pool, he hides behind a pole. <laughs> and then later, Kendall attempts to hide behind the same pole. And neither of these people have, pro- have, have you know, they they can't tell width. I don't understand why they think they can hide behind a pole. He's also not a subtle killer. 
as I, I was mentioned this to Gina earlier, he's dressed like dark man. Yes. And no one ever <laughs> seems to notice. He, he's like, got, he, he walks into the pool and the girl goes, Kendall? Like, no. Yeah, he and carries a chainsaw around with him. And nobody he manages to, he manages to get onto an elevator. He's literally holding the chainsaw behind his back, like a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> like he's the Windex killer from the man with two brains, which we ma- which we managed to get through Dream Warriors and not mention the fact that Merv Griffin was the Windex killer. And then Merv Griffin, and there's Windex in Dream Warriors. So I'd like to apologize to our audience. He he just always loved killing. (laughs) 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 But um, like, so he, for some reason, uh, uh, I mean, should we say who the killer is at this point? Or should we want to, you know, have the gripping conclusion? We said spoilers. Like, we might as well just go for it. Okay, so it's... It's the dean, yeah. and, and what? So, <laughs> what? Uh, it's Phil Ken Seven. You, know, um, I, I literally expected him in each scene to go up and look at a body, go ha ha, and <laughs> just, just taking all these like bad double entendres. But but whenever he is in his you know kill mode, he's got the whole. <sighs> Oh, I hate that so much. It's the worst part of the movie. And and then like when he's when he's going into his house with like his bag of body parts, he's like whistling like a damn tea kettle. It's like get some primatine mist, man. <laughs> and if you're like, in your own home, just, why do you have to keep the outfit on to put together your death puzzle? He's That's just like true. thumping around and in these boots going. <gasps> <laughs> it's like yeah dismembering people really takes a lot out of you doesn't it i really wanted him at some point to go gum why does it always have to be gum <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing that's so great about this is this was after student bodies and it yeah i think they watched so student strange. bodies and thought that's a real slasher movie <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I want to do that, but not funny. I mean, there is absolutely, I was waiting on, on the edge of my seat for, for it to freeze and go over, okay, who are all the suspects? <laughs> you know, Professor Brown, anatomy professor by day, anatomy professor by night. <laughs> and the dean who was once arrested <laughs> for compromising the morals of a prostitute. <laughs> Oh I, my god! I think it's after he he wheezes the bag into the house that we realize we, that's when we learn that he has the the first girl's head in his freezer. He's also uh, walking around campus with a plastic bag full of body parts, and he it's runs a into clear plastic no bag. One? It's not even like a hefty. It's just like one of those really cheap in trash bags bag you get. Lugging around. He's like, and no one gives him the least amount of side eye. Like, there's no one on campus. There's no one on campus, but it's there. But he's always talking about how fucking busy he is. And there's so many kids. I can't know everyone's name. It's like, I know it seems like 30 people. You should be able to to narrow that down. But hey, you know, I don't run a college in Boston. You know, Boston, not a big college town. Jazz dancing. Jazz dancing. Let's talk about jazz dancing. This film has pointless non-chases with bouncy jazz dancers. <laughs> and this killer needs to pace himself because he's wheezing the entire time. <laughs> Cut to Christopher George, who puts his wife on the case. They are married in real life, but 
they but we don't know if they're married in the movie or dating in the movie. He likes to touch her face a lot. <laughs> I told Gina earlier they're acting like they're married, and that what is what makes it confusing because there's a lot of nonverbal communication. They just wanted to go to Spain. That's <laughs> true. And you know what? He got to go. Uh, she, she, this, is, she is immune to Kendall's charms. Um, he keeps, she keeps kissing him a lot, though. There's a lot yeah. of kissing and between another, those two. And another great scene is when, when he, he walks her home and stands at the door and says, aren't you going to make coffee? That's such a <laughs> such a smooth line. I, I, oh, I can yeah. absolutely see why, why he's the campus stud. Also, you literally were just having sex with someone else. Take a goddamn shower, Kendall. <laughs> and his girlfriend is dead. It, I mean, is that is it girlfriend? His, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. He has lots of girlfriends. Like he has, probably has a lot of dead girlfriends at this point. Yeah, I would say like two or three. You may want to maybe kind of slow your roll a little bit, Kendall. And that one whose room he was in when we get to see the whole the whole shebang uh, is that his dorm room. Is that her dorm room? He just kind of looks like I don't think his dorm room has flowers. He doesn't strike Uh, me as the kind of guy who has a flower by the windowsill. Yes, the the scene in which he is his his sexual charisma is so powerful he doesn't even actually have to touch someone to give her an orgasm. It it took me a minute to figure out what was happening in that scene. I thought she was having a nightmare. (laughs) I mean, you can gag me if you want. (laughs) <laughs> it's a sexual nightmare it should be noted that christopher george and linda day george uh this wasn't the only movie that they starred in together they were also in day of the animals and then they would go on to be in mortuary together uh mortuary has a lot of nightgowns so if you ever if you have a nightgown fetish my suggestion to you <laughs> run out watch mortuary see one of the girls from the waltons get naked because that's something that happens. And Linda Day George wears a lot of nightgowns in it. She is awesome in my mind. She has that uh, hair that bounces and behaves in the most late 70s to early 80s possible way. And I don't think she can act a lick. She she definitely mm, seems no. more like she is auditioning uh, to be on Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yes. I think this was probably uh, a tape that she sent over. Uh, to the Fox lot to see if maybe she couldn't get a, a guest star uh, at least, you know, be in an episode. Maybe it could be recurring. Hey, listen, you lose angels all the time. Why mm-hmm. not consider me? I've played a cop before. So can I back up just for one second to address sure. my one big problem with the jazz dancing sequence, which is Please. why does he stalk and kill a dancer to cut off her arms? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because dancers are known for their arms. Uh, this is what you look for in a dancer. Great arms. Uh, we we all see it. Uh, they talk about it on World of Dance, and so you think you can dance all the time. That dancer's got great arms, they say to themselves, mm-hmm. at least the Spanish version. So could we I- assume that, that, uh, that, that Lucky McKee was inspired by this movie to make May? Oh, it it has to, right? Because I, mean, because I feel like he watched to. the end of this movie. He's like, I got to make a movie that leads right up to that. I got to yeah. make a movie like this, <laughs> except not fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I think May is that. It's the unterrible pieces. Pieces is funnier, though. You got to give it that. <laughs> well, considering that May isn't funny at all. <laughs> that's a low, yeah, that's that's a low bar. 
This is not intentionally funny. It should be noted. (laughs) All the laughs come unprompted and were not the point of it. Speaking of unprompted, there's a there's a kung fu fight in this movie. (laughs) I mean this this sequence. I mean, we could talk about oh they play tennis badly and you know he hunts down a woman. We've already talked about him hiding a chainsaw behind his back, but that sequence. Where Kendall shows his dick, he goes, I'm going to get my motorcycle. And Linda Day George is wandering around campus, her gun out. And then she encounters an Asian man who begins to fucking kick at her. And it's a one-sided karate fight for what feels like forever until she finally kicks him in the gut and he just falls down flat as a pancake like like Jackie Chan in Cannonball Run and stays down until Kendall finally rolls up in his motorcycle and he pops up and th- and then you're like but but Patrick this fa- this film doesn't sound nearly racist enough hold on cuz the film's here to solve that problem when the guy says oh hey Kendall goes oh it's my kung fu te- my kung fu professor Kung Fu Professor. Like, how is that not a fucking t-shirt? Kung Fu (laughs) Professor. Who's just kicking ladies in the middle of the goddamn night. Because he was blacked out or something. It was bad. It was bad chop suey. That's that's not how chop suey works. That's not how anything works. He just woke up on the ground. I'm not even going to try to attempt his accent because it would be a terrible oh, no, thing for yeah. me to do. We did skip one thing, and that is that Christopher George tells our lead guy, Kendall, that I'm up a tree with this guy. And that's not an English phrase at all. I don't know what that comes from, but it's not spoken in Boston. <laughs> yeah, there's a point earlier where the sergeant says that they're just trying on clothes that don't yes. have any labels. We're just trying yes. on, we're just we're buying clothes out labels and trying them on. Yep, that's, ex- that, huh? that's exactly the metaphor I would use to apply to a murder investigation. If that's your metaphor for police work, I don't think you police well. I'll <laughs> no. just be honest with you. You're doing it wrong. When the reporter goes to the police station and is harassing Christopher George. He also acts like he's never spoken to a reporter. Yeah. She's like, well, what about this? Are there murders? And he's like, I'm dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I think you'll see yourself out now. I don't discuss matters with the, uh, with the, with reporters. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll see you later. Bye, 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 bye. So that reporters decides to show up on campus and then goes to the training room, the training room, with the waterbed, a twin-sized waterbed. In the middle of the room. In the with, middle of a room. Which somehow like, did not have people fucking on it when, when she no. got there. Or smoking pot. None of it. <laughs> it's just, it, and then you have a slow motion. And I'm not meaning that it just doesn't go apace. I mean, the entire sequence takes place in slow motion of one guy dressed like dark man as Megan denoted, attempting to knife somebody with a rubber knife until finally we get that a rubber knife that bends many times on camera. But we don't have that slow motion camera for longer than a night. So we got to get this done. And finally, I, he knifes her through the back of the head and it comes out of her mouth. Uh, and we get a lot of uh, 
waterbed knifing. Lots of blood, blood in the waterbed. Yeah. I, I like that he uses the knife for that. Like, I'm not using any of your parts. I'm not taking out the chainsaw for you. <coughs> like, you don't deserve a chainsaw, ma'am. Well, I mean, you can't order. always have a chainsaw at the ready. He, you know, she. He's he, got a brand. That's right. <laughs> I guess he doesn't think. Well, I think he hunts people based on their parts. So if he doesn't need her for specific pieces, he's just like killing for sport. So then, then it's just time to have fun with a waterbed. And she's not even, I don't even know what she thinks she's accomplishing because she is just wandering around trying doors. It's the middle of the day and he's apparently wandering around campus doing that breathing. No one notices. At least the the sequence, is this, when, when is the, the tennis player get, is that before? This will be, that'll be after that. This is after uh, Kendall walks uh, Linda Day George back up to her room and he goes, aren't you going to make coffee? Aren't you going to allow me to hold your boobs on the outside of your shirt? Just over the shirt action. She's like, nope. Put that penis away. You smell like several other limit women. Please stop. And then he turns and Myron's there in that crazy ma- wolfman mask with the eye hanging out. Um, and I assume that Myron gets a jump scare from everyone he meets who isn't rejecting him. And then we cut to mm-hmm. a shower scene, as you do with Bad at Tennis Girl, who is wearing some very baggy silk underwear that no one should play a sport in. <laughs> it's going to rub you the wrong way that's inappropriate underwear for tennis i'm just going to put it out there it's not a judgment it's just i've learned from experience tighter underwear for tennis i like that all of the kills are mostly begun by the killer annoying women who are trying to do stuff <laughs> but the first girl is studying and there's the chainsaw uh-huh. the dancer is Gets freaked out because she's practicing alone here or something. Just just starts to get completely changed and pack up all her stuff, even though she's supposed to be very afraid. Mm-hmm. And then this girl's trying to just practice tennis and then loud music starts playing. And she's just like, well, I can't practice tennis with loud music playing. So I guess I'll go take a shower. <laughs> and um, she does. Um, she showers very aggressively. Uh, she never puts on a shirt. And then she is chased around uh, this locker room by a man with a chainsaw. And then she hides in a bathroom. And when the killer chainsaws through the door, we then get a shot of her peeing her pants. But very obviously, the effect is being done by a squeeze bottle that she squeezes with her thighs. (laughs) (laughs) That was they saw the man who fell to earth. And they said, you know what this movie needs is a reaction shot where a woman pees herself because she's so scared. Yes. And they got it. If by squeezing your thighs together and pushing a squeeze bottle together, (laughs) approximating pee. Uh, And then she's done be murdered. We discover this when uh, Willard is confronted uh, by Kendall and Linda Day George. And they're like, why is this music on? And he's like, I'm not in charge of music. Squint. (laughs) it's like we need to make a call can't use that phone squint (laughs) also we learned earlier that he was released because there was no evidence so he just came back to work well yeah i mean you're a freelancer you kind of have to listen if you if you 
totally yank out on a gig just because you were accused of murder, you know, that's going to follow you around. It's true. It's a very um, small community. Very small community. Boston, not a big college town. If he wants to get picked up by another college in Boston, he has to play straight. Kendall, as he does, finds the dead body, puts his hand in blood because he's going to make a great cop someday. And every cop knows touch bloody things. And then we get a sequence in which Linda J. George yells bastard three times. Oh, this was her, you could tell this was her, uh, her moment. This was her, her, her her Marilyn Silkwood moment. She really just just (laughs) gave it her all. Yes. For your consideration, Linda J. George yelling bastard three times. Uh, Unfortunately, not nominated for an Oscar that year. I think she was probably top 10 is my mm-hmm. guess of people yelling bastard on screen. It needs to be seen to be believed, to be honest with you. It is crazy with a backwards K. Yeah. If you don't want to watch this whole movie and, and I, I do recommend it. I actually recommend watching it as it'd be, a, it'd be a good group watch movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you yes, just want to see much. that one part, all you have to do is just is just go on YouTube and look up Pieces Bastard, and, and you will see a, a about a 26-second clip of just that scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, cut to Linda Day George trying to get backstory on the dean from Professor Brown, who is no help. Uh, so he continues his streak there. Um, but we don't have to wait long. Kendall's right on her fucking six. Like he's stalking her. Um, but he's also a complete weenie and we know he's not the killer. So why still make him seem like a killer who's following somebody around? I don't know. The movie doesn't either. So shit just happens randomly. Uh, she's like, I gotta go see the date. And he's like, oh, he always goes to Portsmouth or Amherst on the first day of the month or some shit like that. Sure. Why do you know that? Why would anyone know this? Because only 30 people live on this giant fucking campus. That's why. Well, and earlier when she, she asks Professor Brown to walk with her and he says, it's broad daylight. It's like, that's when everyone has been murdered. (laughs) (laughs) All but the pool girl. Yes. Everyone else has gotten it in the middle of the goddamn day. They're still trying to push that it might be him. Like, we'll see how cold he is. It's like, no, come on. Look at him. No, no, I'm not. I don't believe that this casual uh, turtleneck wearing snidely whiplash is actually the chainsaw killer in this movie. So Linda Day George, uh, being the only competent person in the entire movie, decides to visit the Dean in his apartment, which just so happens to look like our killer's lair. And the Dean drugs Linda Day George's tea. And then she plays person on drugs (laughs) and is unsuccessful. (laughs) He has the craziest tile in his kitchen that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it all is. these it's tiny wild. little tiles that have like medieval animals on. I don't even know what's happening. The, I, I listen, the wherever this, whenever this college was built in Spain, in yeah. Spain, Boston, Spain, um, the decorating is just out of town. So Kendall has been told by Christopher George, go with Lieutenant Race Bannon and do all of this homework where you go and try to figure out a lead for us because this guy has got me up a tree. So at some point, uh, Lieutenant Race 
uh, finds that uh, the dean saw his mother get killed at a young age, and it must have messed up his mind. But Linda J. George is with the dean. Oh, my God. We've got to hurry. Even though they were eating Wendy's. <laughs> yes. I did American Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's, like American. Right with it, right? And there's no actual food because they just shipped the wrappers over to Spain. <laughs> He's just sort of digging yeah, so in like, an empty fry container. Can you in, mail me a bag? Is basically what this comes to. It came in the to. same package as the portrait of Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> America. Most Wendy bags had a portrait of Ronald Reagan in them. That's what few people remember about the 80s. It was a weird time. The dean likes to say, of course, a lot. I only noticed this late in the film. Otherwise, I would have counted the amount of times he was forced to say, of course. Just when he drugs Linda Day George, he says it three times in three sentences. It's a lot. <laughs> Kendall's a terrible I cop. Do- he can't follow orders. <laughs> he gets pushed a lot. He, gets, also, he should be pushed a lot. He should the, be pushed out of a fucking window. The dean is is killing Linda Day George, not because she's on to him, but because the previous woman he had killed cannot fit into the shoes of his her dead mother. Yeah, Even her, though her he's just not putting them on very well. It's true. He's terrible putting on shoes. So I don't really trust it. One of those shoes seems to fit, but the other one, like if you're not putting the effort in, I don't know if those shoes are going to stay on, dum-dum. And for someone uh, who's been chainsawing women in public in broad daylight this entire movie, he is very anxious about poisoning her. He's he just is. like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> so like, much that, flop with that, sweat. with that shrieking teapot, which was Yes. Just- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So the they all barge in and Linda Day George can't talk. She can barely sit up and she is feverishly telling them with her eyes Look over there, dum-dums. Look over there, dum-dums. And nobody can do it. So all the cops leave the room. And then Kendall's like, I'm going to walk this drugs off of you. Decides to just pick her up and walk her around. Like, that's, that's not how this works. I, I love that detective race Bannon basically like walks out of frame for about seven seconds. Comes back in. There's no sign of him. <laughs> I looked everywhere. It's like he lifted up a couch cushion. Nope, not here. No, nope, no, nope. he's gone. He's off. He's <laughs> Took off like, like a wind, thief of the way. night. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, when the when all the cops leave, this is the dean's opportunity to attack. And you get a lot of on top of me. Now I'm on top of you. Sort of wrestling. A lot of grunting. A lot yeah. of heavy breathing. A lot of uh, grinding up against Kendall's pants, I guess. They have just dropped poor Linda George to the floor. Oh, she just flops to the ground. They're like, fuck off. (laughs) I'll get your feet later. So, um, and then it just goes on and on and on and on until Christopher George re-enters the action, pops a squat, and shoots the Dean right between the eyes. That was his audition for Um, Bond. (laughs) he gets real low 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 and it feels like after this for the next couple scenes that every cop is trying to sleep with a drugged linda j george like christopher george is like stroking her chin and kendall's like oh hey let me put my arm around you it's like everyone back off she's just been drugged by a chainsaw murderer let's give her some space 
And they have um, her laying on the but, couch, which seems appropriate. And then Kendall like lifts her up just to like snuggle her against him. Like yes. she can't move. She can't move. That's not okay. No, you're no the signs. She's not into she's just not into your giant schwanz, Kendall. <laughs> you know who's going to be into his schwanz? Oh, it's a surprise. Hold on. <laughs> Lieutenant Race Bannon finds the bloody jigsaw nudie puzzle then triggers a false bookcase wait 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 wait, you, wait 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 yes. before you before we get to that though mm-hmm. <laughs> showing that 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 detective work that uh that the detective christopher george knows will meet make him a good cop kendall looks at the puzzle and said wow he must be some kind of freak huh Oh, you think? Was, was he, was it the, the, the nudie the puzzle? The, it wasn't the, the, the chainsawing five women to death that made you realize that this guy must have been some kind of freak. It was that he had a naked lady puzzle. Yeah. It's also no, not that's what the puts same it over puzzle the top. in the far shots that it is in the close-up. It's very Chainsaw on five women, red-blooded American man, nudie puzzle. Oh, <laughs> I see where this is going. Yeah, why is he English? Hello. I don't know why anybody's anything in this movie. <laughs> Do, I almost said Dr. Race Bannon. Lieutenant Race Bannon triggers this false bookcase and a the sewn together corpse of all the dead girls falls out of it like it's always been waiting there to do it. This is right a, on this top is a of pretty, Kendall. This is a pretty good effect. Like the, the corpse <laughs> looks pretty gruesome. Yeah, the head is all yeah. more de- decomposed. It's a little, you know, little, little Frankenhooker-ish, you know, with the big, the, the big, like, cartoonish stitches on it and all but it's 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 a pretty pretty decent of course the dress falls right off so we get yeah of course and kendall screams like a little girl and it's it's delightful and if you're saying to yourself surely this movie must (laughs) be all credits (laughs) wait there's more and don't call me shirley as race takes kendall away kendall goes let me grab my jacket Franken lady out of nowhere <laughs> reaches up, grabs Kendall by the crotch, slices through his very thick American jeans, and crushes his junk. It pops. It pops yep. like it's oh, a it balloon. <laughs> Three squib in there. <laughs> I, this is a movie of pieces and there are some pieces that you just have to see to believe. And on like the apple, I never would have <laughs> considered this to be the ending of this movie. Oh, for sure. A Franken lady is going to reach up and crush the main character's balls and cock in her hand <laughs> to the point where it explodes. Like, no one's picking that one out of a hat. <laughs> I mean, that's something that happens in the movie. And then the last the last shot is him cross-eyed. Like he just got hit in the nuts with a wiffle ball bat on America's Funniest Home Videos. And then movie's over, everyone. If you think this is bad... Just wait until you hear the behind the scenes of this sequence. It turns out that the actor playing Kendall was injured during the sequence. <laughs> because in order for the uh, 
Franken lady to cut through the jeans, they taped razor blades to her fingers. <gasps> and she managed to cut into him while they got this shot. Oh my God. So Lord. there's real genital mutilation happening in this sequence as well. That's pieces, everybody. Uh, anything <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on that note, on that very crushed, popping sack of balls note, anyone have any last words to say about 1982's pieces? Everyone watch pieces. It's great. <laughs> Watch pieces. Try to try not to judge any of us because certain certain movies I I I am averse to to recommending to people. Like you know, I, I went through my Clockwork Orange phase when I was a when I was a teenager, and then I realized, oh, I should probably stop recommending this movie to people because because it 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 looks like it's a poor reflection on me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I don't I don't want this movie to to poorly reflect on me. I mean, it, it's. It's terrible. It's ugly. It's super sexist. It's pretty much like like every like like the worst aspects of of eighties slasher horror. Everything is present here, but it, at the same time, it's just you you just you gotta see it. It, it is just. I, I, the Kung Fu Professor scene alone. Yeah. It's just there's like five different movies going on here. Well, and that None was of them only because one of the producers had just done a Kung Fu movie and was like, that was pretty neat. Let's put some of that in this movie. Like, no, yeah. That, a lot movie. of the movie feels very much like they saw it in another movie and, and thought, well, let's just put it in here. Does, does it, does it organically go with the rest of the movie? Well, no, but we're, we're going to put it in here anyway. Yeah. And by works, I mean, no, it doesn't, but I think that but, but it's But it charm. does though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it works, <laughs> it works on its own plane of existence. Yes, yeah. it's it is bonkers, as the mm-hmm. kids now currently say. It is one of those movies that is unhinged from any desire to tell a competent story, and you're just along for the rides. It skips from scene to scene without motivation to without motivation incident, and it is completely nuts, horrifically sexist and misogynist. On top of it, but also. You do get to see Kendall's dick, so I think it all works out. And 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 again, with with it being misogynist, it ends with a dude's balls exploding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, what other way? What better way to end such a misogynist movie than having a character who who's I can't even say his predominant trait. His only character trait is that he sleeps around. You know, in, in the end, his balls are turned to paste. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that no one gave him like a little junior deputy badge at any point. Oh, that like, would have been great. A little sticker he could put on yeah, his parka. Yeah. You're my little buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's play an old favorite called Choose Your Own Death Venture. So of the deaths that are provided to us in this motion picture, if you had to die in one of those ways, which one would you choose? And why? Up uh, for in the offerings this evening, we have Hatchet to the Head. Um, I included skateboarding into a large mirror because I didn't realize that person survived that incident because the movie certainly doesn't telegraph it, but let's put it in there anyways. Then we have Chainsaw Decapitation, Chainsaw After Swimming, Knife to Death on a Waterbed, Chainsawed in Half, Shot in the Head by Christopher George, 
and then getting your crotch ripped and balls exploded. And so, Megan, as our guest, I choose you to go first. Oh, no. I'm probably going to say chainsaw decapitation because that one was over pretty quick and she didn't have to get, you know, chased around a studio or dragged to death by a, a skimmer. She no, but you're going to have to nice hike day. up your dress if you're going to want to attract that that murderer because he's looking for both heads and other body parts. Yeah, you got to have that, that saucy little schoolgirl thing going on. Yeah, that's, that's part fine. and parcel. That's, yeah, okay. no, that's fine. All right. You're, she had nice feathery buying... hair too. <laughs> she has one of those large, uh, overwhelming bangs that curl back under that I don't mm-hmm. really understand how it works uh, in real life. Um, so that's what, uh, Megan's going to do. All right, Gina, uh, what say you? I, I thought about a little bit. I, my initial thought that, that I would, my, I would probably take the, the hatchet to, to the head, but then I realized that skateboarding into a, was it a mirror or plate glass window? It's a, it, 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 it's black on the back of it. So I'm uh, assuming that is it in fact a mirror. Okay. Cause whatever the case, skateboarding into that would be extremely on brand for me. <laughs> so I, I should should I should I learn how to skateboard? I absolutely would neglect to learn how to stop myself, and and I can I can very much see me just kind of coasting down a a, a sidewalk, just you know say hi to everyone, and then bleep, go right through and go right into a mirror. I think I'm gonna go with chainsaw after swimming because I like swimming and yeah, but, I look but, great in a bikini. But are you gonna do the the you know the, the sexily arching your back before right before right before meeting your doom? I'm doing that right now, Gina. I don't. I don't need an excuse of being chainsawed death to arch my back so, what, so that my you don't have the director. Better. You don't have a director standing there telling you make it sexier. <laughs> that's what that's what Becky's job is. That's why I married her. She tells me when to make it sexier. That's how our marriage works. And so with you guys that, can go to Spain together and make a movie. We have, we done did it already. It happened in 2016. <laughs> so that just about does it for pieces. Uh, but before we go, let's do a few quick plugs. Megan, uh, tell people about what's happening with yous. Well, I am the co-host of Let's Get Weirding with my friend and beloved co-host, Bo North. Uh, it is a podcast where we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter, and lots of gossip about the the new movie coming up because we're both big fans of basically everyone in the cast. Uh, so we are still in the first novel, uh, Dune, because it's very long and we decided to do it chapter by chapter. But uh, yeah, so that is Let's Get Weirding. We are also on Twitter at WeirdingPod. And we anyone, if you've read Dune, if you haven't read Dune, please come and join us. Absolutely. Do it today. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? Well, I have my own website in which I write about movies and old television and pop culture at GinaRadcliffe.com. I am also a staff writer at The Spool, uh, in which I review movies and television. Uh, by the time this goes up, I will have a uh, a 30th anniversary retrospective of Batman, which I expended about 2,000 <laughs> words on, exhaust, exhausting everything I could possibly say about Batman. Uh, I am um, I'm also on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can reach out to us on Twitter at killbykillpod, the Gmail, killbykillpod at gmail.com, Instagram, killbykillpodcast. We have the Facebook group, 
and page uh, for your varying levels of Facebook activity. And what is happening on the Patreon front, Gina? Uh, we have one new patron, um, rather appropriately, considering that we uh, we just talked about a movie tonight starring several actors named George. Uh, our new patron is Joseph George. So uh, no, ah. pre- presumably no relation. Uh, if your parents are Christopher George and Linda J. George, we're very sorry. We're sure they're lovely people. <laughs> please, please don't, we? Yeah. please, please don't withdraw your, 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 your patronage. We, we much, we, we very much appreciate it. <laughs> we very much appreciate all of our patrons. Uh, they are incredible to us. Um, I will say on uh, iTunes, we have some new reviews, which is very nice including a written review that says, I love you, Patrick and Gina. I look forward to your Friday podcast. And not just because I know seven days later I get paid, but I am a huge horror buff and Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite. My favorite death is Sheila's death at part four because I used to have asthma and it scared the poop out of me. <laughs> By the And then she or he, I don't know who Big D 313 is. I assume by Big D, we're talking about uh, uh, Kendall from Pieces. He is a Big D. This is, by the way, Grady in part two got picked up by the neck before uh, Kincaid or Will do in Dream Warriors. So this is an absolute trend. Our trend for Nightmare on Elm Street is Freddie picks motherfuckers up by the neck for no fucking reason and no one kicks him. <laughs> no one slaps him. No one kicks him. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. And so this is our forearm strength. This is our Jason Voorhees indoor outdoor decorator. This is what Freddie's thing is. I need to pick up people by the throat. And, and, and we now have it confirmed by Big D313. So thanks once again. We love reviews on iTunes or anywhere that you uh, listen to us. Uh, if you do that and you tell us what your favorite uh, death is in any of the films that we covered, we'll talk about it here on air. That's our solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. And so with that, uh, don't worry, folks. A uh, whole new fun stuff coming your way, including the Dream Master, maybe a few other things. Uh, that we're trying to schedule as well. Uh, we also have our 100th episode on the way at some point. So keep an eye and an ear out for that one. Uh, so until then, for myself, for Gina, and for Megan, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. A Nightmare on Elm Street is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill's logos were created by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.